Welcome to All Things Thor, Becoming an Imagineer, Part 7. Yes, Part 7, and we're not done. It's been a great story so far, and I know Tom has a lot more to share with us in the coming episodes. It's great learning about all the work and creative process that goes into creating an attraction, and Tom's been having a lot of fun sharing his stories with us. So without further ado, I hand the reins over to Tom for Episode 7 of Becoming an Imagineer of the podcast, All Things Thor. Okay, well, I guess we're at Episode number 7. I have been really having a lot of fun with this, and um, it's actually bringing back a lot of memories I haven't thought about in a long time, and uh, with mixed emotions, <laughs> but I think it's good for me, and it's good to be able to share these experiences for someone who may seek a similar career in the future, or or just be curious how what happens, you know, in, in a career like this as an Imagineer. So, continuing, let's go to, about this time, it was approaching Halloween, and uh, back back then, I'd say it's about 1996, I think it was, it's either 95 or 96, Um, Halloween, which was a big day at WDI, because um, you know, historically they always, you know, you got a, you got a bunch of some of the most creative people in the world. And, um, of course everyone's trying to outdo each other <laughs> as to their costumes. And, um, I heard that the ones before I even ever got there were just phenomenal. I mean, it kind of died down a little bit, but before people would just go nuts, and this, you know, the, the, some of the things they came up with were just insanely cool. So it's Halloween, and I came in there <clears throat> to my office. You know, um, what I decided to do was, since I had worked on an attraction a couple years before. Um, about the Alamo at another company, I also had acquired a reproduction of um, uh, a uh, um, of a cavalry, a Seventh Cavalry um, uniform that was accurately what a Seventh Cavalry sergeant would have worn in. Um, in the uh, uh, Battle of Little Bighorn with General Custer. And so uh, I thought, well, I didn't have time to do anything else at the time. And I I thought, well, I'm going to dress up in the full costume, you know, with all the details. And I made a vest, a plastic vest that had... That had uh, these uh, receptacles for screws. They were like nuts that were glued, that were well epoxied onto this vest. And I made some really accurate uh, arrows that were like the real ones that um, were from the tribes of that time. Uh, uh, I believe they were... uh, 
can't remember. Off the top of my head, I can't remember which tribe, so I won't even try. <clears throat> but anyway, um, I was able to screw the arrows in because the, 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 the arrows I had cut at different sizes and they had a little screw thing at the end. Screw the arrow through my, my uh, uniform into these receptacles on the vest. So it really looked like I was riddled with arrows. Like I had just, on my in my back, in my chest, everything. And that I had literally just walked out of Little Bighorn and somehow, miraculously, whether I was looked at as a ghost or... or or what? Um, uh, you know, it was it was pretty impressive. It, it really looked like I just walked out of a, a hell of a battle. So um, I was ready just to have fun that day, but all of a sudden I get this uh, I get this notification on my desk that there's a meeting that hadn't been brought to my attention before uh, that was scheduled. <clears throat> 10.30 morning, roughly. I think it was mid-morning. Um, by the project manager uh, and uh, initial um, cost estimator. Like, uh, they were going to do a, a, a first-pass cost est estimation on what my ride was going to be coming in at. You know? Um, and uh, so you got to remember, I mean... I, there, you know, this was all in my mind. I mean, they were still trying to figure out so many details that would affect, in my mind, you know, the the way this should be estimated. That I felt it kind of premature that they were about to ask, they were about to, you know, ask me questions so they could put numbers down and 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 you know start guesstimating the cost of this ride but I it was a mandatory meeting so I, I, I went in there into the small conference room in Maple Building uh, upper floor and sitting there was this guy I'd never met before um, you know typical business type guy apparently he was he's been he had been there for a, quite a while and uh, I believe his role was officially like the project manager. And um, yet um, he also, you know, was, was asked to come up with an initial um, a bunch of data and um, crunch some numbers for, uh, for the estimations. And it was instantly apparent um, I could just see as I walked in there, and this, this guy is looking me up and down, and he was, you could see he was just a genuine smartass. You know, he was just a cocky smartass. And that it looked like I could feel it in the room with the other guys. I don't know who the other guys were, you know, part of his entourage. But I could feel it, you know, that, that I was about to get, um, you know, <laughs> a major uh, my, my feet put to the fire for sure so here I am you know I'm supposed to, this is a serious meeting and I'm trying to push into the meeting to get into into a seat and I've got arrows sticking out of me everywhere 
and I'm, you know, I almost put the eye out of one guy on, you know, one of the chairs, and, and uh, as I'm walking by him, because the arrow sticking out. And uh, this guy just gets right down to brass tacks, you know. He's not amused by me at all. Doesn't find anything funny, nothing. And he, uh, he, he just starts hitting, hitting me. He has, he has this sort of hitting me with, with questions. Um, he has this snarky, sarcastic grin on his face. You know, you could tell he was just going to humiliate me. He wanted to, I could, he just had that look and he, and his, his whole entourage was snickering and had that attitude as they would look, their eyes would just kind of look me up and down. And I was very uncomfortable to say the least and unprepared because all I had brought with me was what was in my head because I didn't know what this meeting was going to entail. And um, he had all the papers, though, of all of the descriptions that had been put together of my ride and all my artwork and storyboards and everything that had been copied and put into a big document that he could leaf through. So he gets just gets down to brass tacks um, and um, just starts hitting me. So he goes, you know, in this scene, what is that giant mushroom made out of? And I'm like, uh, before I can even finish my sentence, how tall is it? You know, and and, and in this scene, how many of the creatures are making uh, are actually uh, you know moving animatronics? Well, I I think about and what what right about this uh, scene? Uh, uh, are these fully dimensional props and? Um, are they, uh, or is that a mural or is that fully dimensional? And, and, and uh, and, the, and this here, you know, uh, is that real water or is that part of a painting? Uh, or, and, and he just was just throwing this, slinging this stuff at me left and right stuff. I never was given the opportunity to prepare answers for or write down anything or anything other than in storyboards, visuals, and my storytelling capabilities, you know. But maybe it had something to do with that uniform I was wearing because I was thinking to myself, I'm not like not going to let this SOB humiliate me. And I had enough time in my brain over all these months. I mean, this is probably going on, I don't know, Maybe I was there for almost a year at that point. Not sure. But <clears throat> um, you know, I was able to t take his curveballs that he pitched at me, and each time I was able to hit them back. And in my head, I had been through these things so many times that I had it, all the ideas in my brain how they were going to be created three-dimensionally. And I, and I could tell it was catching them off guard, you know, because I had an answer for every single one of these things. I, I sometimes would say, you know, I, I, I have thought about it, but it could be three different ways we could do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I would explain that this, after a certain amount of feet, you know, since we're going into the atmosphere of the set, um, Things could be less dimensional. 
we could even have murals and um, such that were peeking through various portals that were illuminated way in the background and uh, um, this and that. And I, and, I, and I just kept hitting the ball right back at him with answers, you know. Um, every attempt he made to intimidate me. Because, you know, for me, that was the meaning of what an Imagineer is. And the difference between just an artist, which isn't bad at all either, because I consider myself an artist as proudly as I do in that role as an Imagineer. But in my mind, what an Imagineer was, was someone who could do many things to take an idea and turn it into a real thing. To actually, as the corny saying that they always say there, is make magic. Um, they used to have license plates for people who were Imagineers that said, I'm part of the magic on the, on the frames of the license plate. <laughs> I never got one. I thought that was a little much, but, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's true. I mean, I had to think about a lot of things. I had to think like I was playing chess, you know, I, I had to think 10 moves ahead and I had to, I was thinking that at one point or another, I was going to be grilled like this for how all these pictures and paintings and, and little sculptures I was making that people were starting to fall in love with on the, in the company. Um, that I was going to be held responsible for, you know, making it happen. And and we had a, you know, our, our client, Disney didn't just do this alone. We were working with the Oriental Land Company, who was fitting quite a bit of the funding for this. So they had to buy into it too. You know, they had to be excited and, and, and with the attractions as they were developing for Disney C. And um, the, so, you know, it was um, all, it was always a challenge, you know. And every time I sold a concept and I got, you know, um, praised for it, it was as eh, satisfying as it was horrifying because I knew now I had to come through. Somehow, at some point in time, or at least I thought I would. So, well, um, you know, uh, as this meeting went on and I kept knocking out these answers, um, I could tell this smartass's grin was starting to fade. And he just kind of chilled out a little bit and just, Continued asking me some of the other questions, and I just had, you know, calmly answered. And um, <laughs> I was sweating underneath my uniform, my Seventh Cavalry uniform, but um, I did everything I needed to do to appear cool and collected and knowledgeable. <laughs> And 
I think he started to sense that maybe, maybe, just maybe this guy knows what he's doing. Um, so after this two-hour grilling, I meeting was adjourned, and uh, I left the meeting uh, a survivor. A dozen arrows sticking out of my back and chest, but it was clear that I was a survivor. And so, <laughs> um, I just walked down Little Bighorn Valley to my office, Fortress, to keep making magic. <laughs>